Good morning. Yes, I did. How are y'all doing? I hope everybody's had their coffee or whatever. You're visiting the wake. My name's Rex Butts. I'm from Newark, Delaware. Um, you are in the class called Jesus Goes to College, uh, Ministry in the Secular University Context. I apologize for my toolbar being in the middle of the picture. I don't know how to get it out of there, but um, this class, I want to um, share a, a vision for campus ministry and what uh, campus ministry can look like uh, in the secular university context. Uh, the caveat is I'm not a campus minister. I tried one time years ago at Cornell University, failed miserably because I did not know what I'm doing, but I work um, as the lead minister with the Newark Church of Christ in Newark, Delaware, and we have uh, a campus ministry on the University of Delaware, Blue Hens for Christ. I do work closely with that, and I serve as the president of Reflect Campus Missions, uh, which, you know, is our goal is to see new campus ministries start. Uh, so I'm just going to start the class off. I'm going to... Um, just uh, go over kind of like a, a grounding uh, mission of God. When you all hear mission, what do you hear? What comes to mind? I mean, I think we borrow the word from a military, so it's like a, a well-organized effort where you go someplace to try to win or accomplish a, a goal, strategic goal. Yeah, so a uh, task to accomplish, everything with anyone else? What do you hear when you hear the word mission? Well, I think the Great Commission. Great Commission, mm -hmm. right? Go to all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptize them, teach them to obey. When you hear the word mission in church, what do you think of? Going somewhere far away and, and uh, Right. Yeah, all right. So when I grew up, uh, churches had missions committees. Nothing wrong with that. Missions was always um, something that we sent people far away, Asia, India. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, people in Asia, people in India, um, Africa, wherever, need the gospel as much as people here. But I think we have to start reconciling with the fact that North America, United States, Canada, is as much of a mission field as um, anywhere else in the world, even in the so-called Bible Belt states. You can have people who, they can check the census box that they're Christian, but just observing their life, it will become clear they have no idea what following Jesus looks like. And so when we talk about mission, I want to go back and step and first of all say that mission comes from God. Mission is actually an attribute of God. And so I think of mission and the mission of God is participating in the mission of God. Uh, this quote in the bars in, but this comes from um, Christopher Wright in his book, uh, The Mission of God. He says, it's not so much the case that God has a mission for his church in the world, but that God has a church for his mission 
in the world. In other words, mission isn't what we do. Mission is what God does, and we just participate in what God does. And so discerning how do we live and, and what's that got to do with mission, it's not so much, all right, here's what the task we're trying to accomplish, but it's more to discern what kind of task is God trying to accomplish in this world, and then how do we participate in that task as followers of Jesus? And so, uh, you know, but we can't participate in that task if we're not ourselves committed to following Jesus and living out as a witness of the kingdom of God. So I always think of, you know, mission, um, the story that's told in the Bible from creation all the way through new creation. But that's a story that is centered in Jesus Christ and oriented to the kingdom of God. In other words, Scripture is given to us so that we will learn how to live as followers of Jesus and live our lives bearing witness to the kingdom that Jesus proclaimed. Uh, and you see this when Jesus comes in. This is uh, the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 1. It says, after Jesus was put in prison, Jesus came or went into Galilee proclaiming the good news. The time has come, he said, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they, misspelling there, they were fishermen. And he said, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once, they left their nets and followed him. And so uh, participation in the mission of God, following Jesus. It, we hear the words in there, um, you know, repent, believe the good news. And I don't know about you, but oftentimes when I hear the word repent, the way I grew up hearing, like there's some big moral failure in your life that you gotta let go. Now, if our if, if we got an addiction to alcohol, you know, or we're a thief or something, we're called to turn away from that too. But repentance is so much more than uh, just letting go of of immoral ways of living. Uh, the people that Jesus was speaking to here were probably not out living very wicked, immoral lives. And yet he's calling them to repent. He's calling them to change. They, they have to change their mind about something. Let go of something in order to change their mind to something uh, so that they can see God's kingdom at work. And not everyone will see it. I mean, read on the story of the Gospels, people will see Jesus doing signs and wonders and say you do them by the power of the devil, power of Beelzebub. So, you know, there's a mindset that has to change us if we're going to participate in the mission of God. And as we do, then we're called in not to follow the Bible, 
follow Jesus. The Bible is always a window through which we see Jesus. But we're called to follow Jesus. And um, I, I can tell you right now as this pertains to college students, most of the American students I talk with are in the so-called category of nuns and duns. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they have every reason. They, they have great reasons, compelling reasons, why they no longer want to be a part of the church. And <laughs> a lot of it sums down is they see a church talk about the Christian faith, but they don't see a church that's following Jesus. And I even had one student tell me Christianity is just a political party. Uh, one student told me she gave up on church because in order to keep going to her church, she had to vote just like everyone else. And I'm just saying that to say, um, we got to get back to, you know, donkeys and elephants aren't our savior. We got to get back to following Jesus. And if we're going to reach secular students who have neither either never read the Bible for the first time, which is most of the international students I meet, or American students who are either almost ready to give up on church or already have, if what we say doesn't match, if, if we talk about Jesus and that doesn't match what they see lived out, not just in us, but in our church, I think we're dead in the water. Um, so the other thing, um, when we follow Jesus, when we learn to follow Jesus and live as a witness of the gospel, of the good news that Jesus proclaimed, which was the kingdom of God. I heard somebody, or Scott McKnight in his book, The King Jesus Gospel, said one theologian actually asked the question, did Jesus ever preach the gospel? which is absolutely absurd. Go read the Gospel of Mark again. When Jesus came in proclaiming the good news, that's the Gospel. And Jesus, the Gospel Jesus proclaimed was the Kingdom of God. When we live that out as followers of Jesus, it's always going to become what the Bible speaks of as good works. So here's Ephesians chapter 2. This is from the Common English Bible. You are saved by God's grace because of your faith. This salvation is God's gift. It's not something you possess. It's not something you did that you can be proud of. Instead, we are all God's accomplishment, created in Christ Jesus to do good things. God planned for these good things, that's good works, to be the way that we live our lives. All right, so... We understand we can save ourselves. We're here because God's grace, it's God who's made us alive in Christ. Earlier in the chapter in Ephesians 2, uh, Paul talks about us being made alive in Christ when we were dead in our transgressions. Last time I checked, dead people don't do anything. Salvation is the work of God. Through the faith, uh, I would argue, through both the faithfulness of Jesus and our ability to trust, to have faith in Jesus, and then we become God's accomplishment. 
Uh, other translations um, will render this word uh, in, as uh, God's workmanship. Uh, let's see, they have down here God's workmanship. Um, we are what God's made us, is uh, the New Revised Standard Version. This word in this text here is poema. What's that sound like in English? Poem. Poem. What's poetry? What's poetry? What would you classify poetry? It's a work of art. A work of art. Yeah, in the Greek it actually does say we're God's poem. Yeah, 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 yes it does. Uh, work of art. And, I used to live in Columbia, Maryland, and which is right in the D.C. area, and so went down one time with my uh, wife and children, went to the Smithsonian Museum of Art. I'd never been to an art museum before, never had any desire to go. I thought this would be a waste of our time and everything. Good thing our children, who are really young then, are here because they won't want to be here long, so we can get out here and do something more important. And once I was there, I realized we should have got a babysitter for our child because I could spend all day here, if not a couple days here. Art, whether it's poetry, uh, it's a painting, sculpture, uh, a piece of music, or whatever, has a way of captivating our attention. Art can inspire us. Art can instruct us. Sometimes art has a um, you know prophetic word, but um, it, we, we look upon art and we're like, wow. That's amazing. And then we want to know more about it. And, and art is often abstract enough that it leaves wonder, intrigue. This is who we're supposed to be. The New Jerusalem Bible uh, renders this passage, um, Ephesians 2.10, saying, we are God's work of art, created in Christ." Jesus for good works, which God has already designed to make up our way of life. For God's work of art, what if we started thinking on here for this class in the university context? If <clears throat> university students saw what God's work of art, what what would that look like? And what I, what I want to suggest with that is as people who are already participants of the new creation, God is taking us and painting a picture of what life will look like when God's redemptive, restorative, reconciling work in Jesus Christ is fully finished. And so God's painting a picture with us. And if you've ever watched uh, somebody paint a picture, when they start out, you have no idea what they're painting. But as time goes along and they do more work on the picture, you can start to get an idea of what that picture is going to be like. Oh, they're painting a portrait of something. Or they're painting a landscape of you know, the oceans and the mountains. <coughs> you can get an idea of what that's going to look like when it's finished. We live in between the coming of Jesus and his second coming. 
that painting's not finished, but I want to suggest that when we are living out as followers of Jesus, participating in the mission of God, we are living in such a way that people can already get an idea of what that painting will be like when it's finished, of what life to come when Jesus returns will be like. And I believe that's a compelling picture. I've been reading a lot lately about trauma. In um, Two years ago, a psychologist from Duke University came to the University of Delaware and spoke, and they did research. Um, they, they spelled, she spelled out all the qualitative research that they did um, and quantitative research that they did with students across America. And said, she said, during the pandemic, one out of every four college <coughs> students gave thought to ending their life. We are in a society that is starved for hope. We're in a society that's drowning, and sometimes as you know it's drowning, and there are students who are going to college, just, you know, I'm not trying to put it down, they just don't know what direction. And we can paint a compelling picture for them. To do that, uh, <coughs> This is just my little shameless plug-in here. I wrote a book that came out last year uh, called Gospel Portraits. It really has to do with how we read the Bible so that we'll live as participants in the mission of God. Not read the Bible so that we'll reproduce the church in Ephesus or reproduce the church in Podunk, Tennessee, because my context in Newark, Delaware, is not rural Tennessee or rural Texas. I... I first started thinking about this when I served with the church in New Jersey's Dean and Amy were there. Uh, suburban New York City, and I thought in many ways the church looked like a tornado picked it up out of rural Texas, rural Tennessee, and plopped it down in suburban New York. And in overseas mission work, we've often talked about planting indigenous gospel not exporting American Christianity. Well, we're going to do cross-cultural missions on the campus, too, on the university campus. The only thing is, instead of crossing a geographical context, I'm, I, I believe we're having to cross into a new social context. Many of Churches of Christ were established, their, their ethos of who they are was established in a modern Christendom paradigm that no longer exists in the state secular university. And so, anyways, that's my shameless plug-in. Uh, so, here's this is a map from Campus for Christ Missions of all of the college campus ministries associated with uh, the Churches of Christ. How many of you in here are campus ministers? Where? San Francisco State. San Francisco State. Oregon State. Oregon State. That's all. University of Washington. University of Washington. New Mexico. New Mexico. Is there another hand? San Francisco State. 
All right. So, and I'm here um, from University of Delaware. I already know that this this map uh, is inaccurate because there's no longer a campus ministry at John Hopkins University um, in Baltimore. Uh, and I'm not sure about Penn State. Um, I was talking with Chris Buxton, uh, who serves on the board of Reflect 2, also runs U-Life uh, Campus Ministry Consulting, and he was telling me that one of the difficult things uh, in knowing uh, how many active campus ministries there are in the Churches of Christ is what constitutes a campus ministry. Is it just a professor of physics or speech at the university who says, hey, I'm going to start a Bible study for a few students I've been talking with and are interested in the Bible? Or is it an organized religious service organization like uh, Blue Hens for Christ in Delaware? We don't know. The other thing is um, our autonomy in Churches of Christ makes it uh, difficult to track. There's no overall board that I can go to and say, hey, how many um, campus ministries are there? So uh, it's I think it's a fairly accurate uh, map, but it, this is always going to be uh, in change and in flux. Um, so there's there's 145 um, campus ministries, roughly affiliated with the uh, Churches of Christ. Um, support for campus ministries. Uh, we have two, there's two conferences that I'm aware of. The, the uh, Campus for Christ conference, which we held this uh, end of July this year in Nashville, Lipscomb University. There's the Gulf Coast Getaway. That's mainly for college students uh, to come to. There is U-Life um, Consulting that's ran by Chris Buxton. I'll put a plug in for him, which uh, provides consulting, coaching, and training for campus ministries and churches, interesting campus ministry. Uh, and then uh, there are internships and various educational opportunities, and that's expanding. Lipscomb University is going to be starting the first Master of Arts in campus ministry. So for years, um, our our schools have offered, uh, you know, Master of Arts in Preaching, Master of Arts in Youth Ministry, Master of Arts in Counseling, all good. It's good that we're also going to start seeing Master of Arts in Campus Ministry provide training. Uh, the university um, culture in the United States, there's kind of a breakdown of the students, but here's a real interesting factoid for you. Um, in 2022, there were approximately 17.9 million students enrolled in a college or university, with about 15 million of those students being undergraduate. How much representative do you think representation do you think the churches of Christ have among those students? How much? Not much. No. Yeah, not, not much. Want to take a guess, anyone? Not even a whole 
I'm sorry, so your question is, of all the total students in the United States, how many are in, in, in the campus ministries? Oh, so here's the thing there. Um, I don't have it down here in my notes. Um, among, the among the Title IV state or universities, uh, whether state or private, in the United States, uh, Churches of Christ have campus ministries on 2.4% of them. Well, that's actually more than I thought. Yes. I, I still think it, it's a terrible number. And one of the things, you know, I, I do some work with Mission Alive. Uh, in the last 20 years in Churches of Christ, we have started to realize slowly, and not, not enough, that we need to start planting more churches. We also, and I want to say this again and again, we also need to start planting more campus ministries. Uh, so the Reflect Vision, our, our vision, you have the cards in front of you, um, is that we want to be transforming students for Christ and planting vibrant ministry, campus ministries. So Reflect Campus Missions used to be called Delaware Christian College Ministry Foundation and it was just a, not, a, a small nonprofit started so that we could legally operate as a religious service organization on the University of Delaware. Uh, it's, we started Blue Hens for Christ. Um, about four years ago, we started realizing that this is great that we have the Blue Hens for Christ campus ministry, but there is a need to start planting more campus ministries. Can we um, train campus ministers, people to be campus ministers, and send them out to plant campus ministry. And here's the thing. Most churches of Christ are under 100 members. Full-time support for just a preaching minister is becoming a difficulty for most church, churches of Christ. So supporting a campus minister, you know, I'm sorry, campus ministers, you know, that's even more difficult. And if we think of campus ministry as having, you know, our, a big campus house, nothing wrong with having a campus house, but if we think of campus ministry as having a big campus house, a lot of overhead, the cost um, just gets astronomical really quickly. Uh, that, you know, churches don't have in, in their budgets. And uh, I, just in my experience as a minister, most churches always every year come out in the red on their budget. And maybe the only uh, saving grace is that money that they had allotted to spend over here, they never spend it all, so the, the books balance out. But they're, you know, very rarely do churches, you know, come and say, uh, we had in our budget to spend 200000 this year, and we took in 400000 you know, uh, you know, one hundred percent gain. Uh, so we started dreaming. What can we do? Well, we gotta provide training for campus ministry, and so we started envisioning how how do we, um, you know, bring in apprentices to train them, and we also started realizing our job isn't to just get students to go to church. 
We want to see students live out as followers of Jesus. I will say this over and over again. I tell this to my church all the time. If we learn how to follow Jesus, we will always be the church Jesus wants us to be. It may not look like the church we imagine, but we will always be the church Jesus wants us to be. And so we realize with the University of Delaware students, international and American students, as well as anywhere else, the goal isn't just to get people who are converted to Christianity, but to see students who are transformed so that their lives are formed in Christ. Uh, in Galatians chapter 4, Paul says, My dear children, I'm in pains until Christ is formed in you. The goal is never just so that you can say, I'm in Christ. The goal is our formation in Christ so that our lives will continue to reflect the very image of Jesus Christ. And we want to see that uh, with students. Um, so just as we're all called to live as followers of Jesus, our vision for uh, Reflect is transforming students uh, and for Christ and to see them live as followers of Jesus and then become leaders wherever uh, they go, whether it's the Chinese student who's going to move back to China, uh, the, the girl, I'm not going to use her name, I'll show you her picture later, from Iran who, who grew up a Muslim and just became a believer, uh, was baptized just recently, or uh, the American student who, from Wilmington and now just graduated last year, has got a nursing job in Harrisburg. See them formed as followers of Jesus so that they'll be a leader living as witnesses of God's kingdom wherever God will send them. We also start talking with our students about, look, you know, so you get your, your bachelor's degree and you're going to go on to, you know, John Hopkins for a master's degree or, or off to Stanford University or, or Purdue University, wherever. Um, what if you could be part of a support network for a new campus ministry? Uh, so I have my eye on, <coughs> I showed you earlier, you know, the map. Uh, John Hopkins University, there's no longer a campus ministry there. I have my eye on there uh, because I used to drive Uber in Baltimore. Mission Alive um, has a vision of planting churches in marginalized communities. There's a dot I can put on the map of Baltimore, draw a two-mile radius around it, which will include John Hopkins University and also the most poor and violent neighborhood in Baltimore. And the only difference is, is US 40. North of US 40, you're in this very college town atmosphere, you go south of US 40, uh, public housing, violent crime, everywhere. And, you know, so I, I think it would be great for somebody to plant a church there, and at the same time, you have a church planter planting a church there, and a new campus minister planting a new campus ministry mm -hmm. right there. Uh, those things don't have to be mutually exclusive. And when people were coming in here, I heard someone talking about plant, planting a church and a campus ministry. Yeah, those don't have to be mutually exclusive. They can work together. Uh, the other thing we want to do is uh, plant 
um, vibrant campus missions. And so, um, you know, uh, we'll entertain anywhere. We took a trip out to Merced, California. Uh, the University of California is uh, dumping a lot of money into building a new campus in Merced, California, where when they are through, they expect to have about 15,000 students. And uh, there's, there's a church out there that's um, talking about, has been talking somewhat about planting a new church. And so we took a trip out there uh, with uh, Mission Alive to look at that. Um, but we've also talked um, with uh, churches and um, campuses um, in Pennsylvania, um, Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts. So we're from the Mid-Atlantic area. We'd love to see more campus ministries in the Mid-Atlantic, um, New England area, but anywhere. <coughs> To, do, to plant vibrant campus missions, what we want to do is invite apprentices, and we have a new apprentice uh, in now with us. Her name is Lauren Brady. She's doing a phenomenal job. She just graduated um, last semester from Troy University. Uh, she um, participated in a youth ministry internship, and if she was here, she could tell you the story much better. But out of that sense, God calling her to campus ministry. And so she's now with us. It's a two to three year apprenticeship. She works under Casey Costin, who's sort of supervising her. She'll get hands-on training experience in day-to-day uh, -day campus ministry. At the end of two years, we'll do an evaluation and if it's mutually agreed on, then the third year would be good, then, then we'll consider three years. But ideally, then, what we'd like to see her do is go, be able to go on to a new location and plant a new campus uh, mission. Uh, and so that's why we've been exploring visits to various universities. And, and uh, Casey and Lauren just took some students, you'll see the picture later, um, to look at Columbia University in New York City. And when they, you know, New York City, the big secular mecca that it is, uh, when they talked to students and told them that, you know, they're campus ministers and they're just looking, what if there's a campus ministry here? The reception was actually very positive. Oh, that's, that would be a good idea here. And everything was, you know, if you would have asked me, what's the reception? I'm say. Get ready for some very ne negative feedback. Why, why do you need that? We don't need Jesus. But the reception was very good. Um, so let's go on. Um, so here, we want to make followers of Jesus. We want to lead students to follow Jesus. And so it's got to be a disciple-making campus uh, ministry. Uh, and that means... Um, our first task, and I would say, I would suggest the first task of any minister, campus minister, preaching minister, whatever, the first task and most important task is following Jesus, being faithful to Jesus. <coughs> Throw out the metrics. Um, the idea that the campus minister has to have so many contacts per month, how many baptisms um, 
how many people are coming um, to whatever gathering there is. The first job is just being faithful, being present on the campus as a faithful follower of Jesus. And we trust God with the results of that. And just follow Jesus, uh, which may draw a crowd, did for Jesus, but sometimes it may repel the crowd because at the end of, you know, it was the crowd, not, not the authorities, but the crowd shouting crucify him. Uh, so first task is to be present, just following Jesus. And then we want to uh, teach the apprentices, engage students where they're at. Uh, we don't expect the students to be able to come to us. So we, have, we do have a campus house um, at the University of Delaware uh, that's right off of the college campus. But Casey and Lauren, um, do you all know Casey Costin? Those of you who are campus ministers? All right. So he's our, our campus minister with the New York Church of Christ. And Lauren Brady again is our new apprentice. Um, many of the way, many of the places they first meet students have nothing to do with our campus house. They're at student activities, um, international activities for international students, uh, um, in the student centers, um, sporting activities. Uh, but they are trying to engage the students where they are at. I told you earlier that, uh, you know, this, this psychology professor from Duke said, one out of four college students gave thought to ending their own life. Um, I don't have all the answers for mental health crisis, but there is a mental health crisis looming in America. I understand some of them, uh, my wife and I um, actually have three children. My oldest passed away. I understand trauma. I understand that bad things happen that hurt people. Uh, and American students, that's where they're at. So one of the ways that they've been able to engage students where they are at is mental health support group. So Casey has started, it's called Unburdened. Uh, and it's just a mental health support group. It meets at a place called Sean's House. Sean's house is named after Sean Locke, who was a University of Delaware baseball player, was drafted to MLB, and the day after took his own life. Mm. So, um, you know, no judgment. I don't understand. Um, some people hurting so bad. This engaging students where they're at, we've been able to make inroads just by bringing students together and saying, let's talk, what's going on? It's not, it's not professional therapy or anything, and we understand our ethical duties. If someone comes to us and says, you know, I have a gun I really want in my life, they need professional help. There's other things that go on in people's lives where it would, it's ethically responsible to say, we need to get you counseling, therapy, uh, but this is a place just for them to talk about what's going on in their life. Um, international students, uh, and I heard someone talking about Friends Speak earlier. That was you, Garrett, right? No, we've, we've used it. Oh, 
Yeah, all right, so um, most international students are still trying to learn English. I've always been told learning English as a secondary language is one of the more difficult languages to learn. And so they're always looking for um, tutoring. And so we offer um, tutoring. We don't do friends speak per se, but we do uh, use the Bible for conversational English, which is very similar to friends speak, uh, and just offer uh, those tutoring lessons. And we have a family, uh, Matt and Grace. Uh, they're from China. Their, their little girl, Josie Matt, is a PhD student. Um, and I just very faithful followers of Jesus. And that all began um, just reading the Bible to help them to be able to better speak, read, and write in English. Uh, so engaging students where they're at and then um, deeper conversations. So you can't see that there, but this is deeper conversations. We talk about conversations in this flow. You have a casual conversation, then meaningful, then spiritual, uh, you know, then uh, biblical, uh, you know, casual conversation, you know, what's your favorite baseball team? I'm a Cubs fan. Oh. <laughs> Sorry to hear. What, what's your team? We're from Brewers. What? Brewers. Brewers. All right, you can leave that. <laughs> you know, that, you know that, that's a co casual conversation. Um, but, you know, I ask, I ask a student, um, you know, where you're from. Student tells me, Newtown, Connecticut. Recognize that town? Yeah. I remember I was setting out to write a sermon sitting in Wegmans grocery store in their cafe when the news broke. I didn't write the sermon that day. She was in a different elementary school, but an elementary student during that. What was that like for you? Um, she happens to be a black student um, in Ahmaud Arbery, George Floyd. Uh, those become meaningful conversations. Um, what's been your experience in the way the church addresses matters of racism? Uh, now we're spiritual, and that can even go to biblical. She's a um, PhD student uh, studying plant biology. But one of the conversations that we've had is her frustration with with some Christians who think that you must choose between faith and science. Um, and so, you know, um, another uh, American student met one of um, our other campus ministry students and our campus minister at uh, uh, the student center. Uh, but I've never heard the full story. I'm almost sure, you know, her first two years were spent in college, living the college life for all of its good and bad. 
and she encountered a guy who didn't know what the word no meant. And she, that showed something's wrong with life, and she began searching. Now, her mother, I don't get this, because I would never say this to my daughter, but her mother's asked her, why are you spending time in a campus ministry? Why aren't you out getting drunk and getting laid? It's a different world we're in and everything. But the big obstacle to her faith, after talking about, she realizes their hope, but this whole business of God being three people, doesn't make, that's what she said to me, doesn't make any sense. There's a biblical conversation, theological, and to help her understand and, and bridge that gap between the misunderstanding, uh, and she's now a faithful follower of Jesus, moved to Harrisburg, she's a nurse, Every time, every time she comes back to Newark, she even uh, visits our church and everything. Uh, um, so, um, we want to take the student, the apprentice, and explore then with them the possibilities of planting new uh, campus ministries, and they can learn what take what they're learning to do in that new campus ministry, planting a new campus ministry, they don't need a big student house. Uh, when we were up at um, one of the Penn State campuses, uh, they have rooms that students can, or, or that students can use for <coughs> religious activities. You can, you, when we were there, Muslims were meeting in there for prayer time. You can use that, check out that room, use pizza, have a gathering. Uh, we do have Tuesday night gatherings at uh, Blue Hens for Christ, which is always dinner. They just had uh, several couple Vietnamese students make faux dinner for them last this Tuesday night. I would say I missed it, but I'm not here. So, you know, uh, but, um, you know, uh, we've had since Chinese food, uh, authentic Chinese food, not the stuff you get in Chinese restaurants, Indian food, uh, um, Argentina cuisine um, and then uh, sometimes we, we have a lady at our church uh, Gail her husband's one of our shepherds uh, she'll make home-cooked meals uh, and everything you know nothing like a good casserole on a cold November night and everything uh, and then we have um, you know a discussion later which is the Bible using the discovery Bible a method. Are you anyone familiar with the Discovery Bible method? So this, this is a Bible study method that anyone can do, and anyone can facilitate. Because you just take a passage of Scripture, read, read the passage of Scripture, Mark chapter 1, we read earlier. What do you like about that passage? That's the first question. Is there anything you don't like or don't understand? That's the second question. <coughs> um, you know, what do you find difficult or challenging? Here's the third question. What do you learn about God or Jesus from this passage? And what, what would this look like to live this out in your own life? And anyone can do that, and I, I know that anyone can do that because at New, the New York Church of Christ, our high school students are taking turns facilitating just a discovery Bible. And um, 
you know, so that's all we're trying to do. Here's a few pictures. I know we got to wrap up. Um, so there I am. Uh, her name is Runa. She was from Japan, sitting out by a campfire at our campus house one night for game night, and talking with another student. And she said, I, "I've heard something about Jesus, but I don't know who he is." I, and asked her, "Do you have a Bible?" <coughs> What's that? So my wife and I got her a Bible in, in her own language, uh, Japanese. Um, she had to move on because she was just there for a year. So it's planting seed, and we trust God with that seed. Um, up there is the Iranian student um, who's Muslim, had a vision of Jesus saying, seek me up. Now, that's beyond... My understanding, but who am I to argue? God, right? It's happening all over. Yeah. Yeah. God can work however He wants. Who am I? Again, my job is just to participate in what God is doing. So so she came, met Casey. Tell me about Jesus and see the result. Um, Down there is is, um, another student. He's an American student, philosophy major. Just began having questions about life. I guess studying philosophy will do that for you and everything. And uh, he stumbled across somebody had thrown out one of those Gideon Bibles on the ground. And so he picked it up and said, Well, I'll read what's the Bible got to say, philosophy? What's the philosophy of the Bible? And, and there, this was the uh, trip. Uh, some of the students um, that. Uh, they took to New York City, and there, there's Casey Costin right there. He's our campus minister, Lauren Brady, our new campus ministry apprentice. And um, uh, some of the students in the background. Um, this guy, you really can't see uh, his face. He's from Seattle. Um, has a lot of Buddhist leanings in him. He's still, he's a seeker. They're just, after a year, Casey and him are just getting into biblical conversations. Um, She's from Zimbabwe. This is uh, Matt and Grace. Uh, They're from China. Girl here from uh, New Jersey and Pennsylvania. Um, I, I'm, the only reason I'm here is because I believe in Churches of Christ we've got to start planting more campus ministries and Reflect has a vision to plant new campus ministries transform students for Christ and plant vibrant campus ministries that will just repeat uh, in transforming students for Christ thank you for being here I thought I would have time for questions, but it's time is almost up. Thanks for being here. If you have any questions, my email is krexbutts at newarkchurch.com. Shoot me an email. Love to talk with you more. Um, if your church is interested in supporting campus ministry, thinks oh, we could plan a campus ministry on the campus. It doesn't have to be a big 25,000, 30,000 state university campus. That local community college has students there that need Jesus as well. So thanks for coming today. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks.